It's time for JT the Brick. Raider Nation Unite! We're a show based on fans. Embrace the culture, embrace the history of this organization. Feels like football. Man, you know, since I've been here, bro, I've only had one winning season. So really, like, all the individual accolades don't really mean nothing when you don't win. That's a gritty, gutty win! Yeah, this is what I dreamed of, you know? This is this is what it's all about. We're not going backwards. We're going to do this right. Obviously, you know, that we would love to, you know, play in a... Super Bowl in our hometown. They hate you. They despise you. They think you're a bunch of thugs. JT the Brick. Who's the number one rival of the Broncos? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of the Chargers? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of Kansas City? Without question, the Oakland, LA, and now Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I don't care who I play against. I go out there, I don't discriminate. I treat everybody the same way when we, when we go out there. And I'm more concerned about what we're doing as a football team and what I'm doing personally. And now, your Las Vegas Raiders. Here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you as we continue. We're waiting on the Josh McDaniels press conference coming up momentarily. We just got the alert. I'm here in the building. When we get it queued up, Bobby will take us to it momentarily here as the Raiders lose to Detroit on Monday Night Football. And it was a bad loss. The score wasn't indicative of it because Detroit put up a lot of yards and the Raiders' offense didn't show up in the game. 26-14 was the final in this game. And now we're at a time where... I think we're always honest with you. We're honest about what's happening with the team, where they're at, their record, their opponent. Our job is to give you information, give you information about where the team's at, knowing all of this. Now I think there's got to be some strong decisions made within the organization about who's going to play and what they're going to do the rest of the year. If the season gets out of hand and they lose to the Giants, there's still a window, and the window is open, but it's not a crack. It's not wide open, but the window is closing on the season from a wins-loss perspective. The Raiders had one chance to get to 5-5. Five and five. It starts now. When the season started, I thought the Raiders would be 6-4, and four, most likely 5-5 five and five after the Jet game. And that was even with a healthy Aaron Rodgers and a healthy Daniel Jones. I thought the Raiders would beat the Chicago Bears, thought they'd beat Pittsburgh, thought they'd beat Denver, who they beat. You know, I thought they'd beat the Patriots. Overall, I'm not shocked by a lot. I'm only shocked at the inferior play of the offense. I think the defense has improved enough where we're watching the defense have some signature plays. Marcus Peters got a pick six. You know, Max Crosby, Bilal Nichols had the sack that ended the game against New England with a safety. We've seen some things this year that have been entertaining and exciting, but we haven't seen anything with that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Nine interceptions through week eight, that's the most of any NFL quarterback. Let's go downstairs to the head coach, Josh McDaniels. Sorry. Um, so, not, not. I mean, I don't have much to add from yesterday after the um, game. I mean, seeing the film, I mean, clearly we, we have to be able to be more productive um, offensively so that we can get control of the game to some degree because the defense, I thought, really uh, hung in there, fought, obviously created some turnovers, which helped us have an opportunity to to really kind of swing the game a little bit uh, on a few different occasions, and we just didn't take enough advantage of that. Um, and then over the course of the game, as it goes on, you know, when you end up 47 plays or snaps on offense and 85 or 86 on defense, it's just, you know, at some point you just get worn out, you know, and so... Um, you know, we have to, we obviously have to do better. So there's a lot of things we're going to look at, a lot of things we're going to consider. Um, we need to do the fundamental things right first. That's where it's got to start. And then, 
um, obviously find a way to produce. <clears throat> what did it look like when you said you looked over the film? What did it look like from Jimmy's point of view? Took six sacks and yeah. looked uncomfortable all night. Um, you know, I, I look. I like I said, I've never really thought that the passing game is is one person. You know, I mean, there's a few. There's obviously there's plays where we had an opportunity to make some plays and we did not do it. You know, uh, missed a few throws clearly. Um, but I thought, you know, we had some protection issues. I thought we, um, there was a few blitz pickup issues. Um, you know, and, and credit them, they did a good job with some of the things that they were trying to do to disrupt us. Uh, but we got to be able to do better, you know, and um, the passing game and the ability to, to do well in the passing game is usually the function of 11 guys doing their job pretty well. Uh, maybe not perfect, but pretty well. Um, securing the pocket for the passer, reading the coverage properly, running a good route, making a good throw, being on time, you know, all the rest of those things have to happen in order for you to, to work, you know, the way you want to work efficiently and productively. So, um, you know, and just, just not enough, not enough plays, Q. <clears throat> Uh, Jimmy came into the season with you know with some injuries that he's dealing with the offseason. He's been backed up a couple times already. Do you believe health has anything to do with his struggles in this game? I don't. I mean, look, I can't speak for him on that. Um, I don't. I don't. I, again, we've never really put him out there when it's like, you know, been something where there's been a significant issue. We tried to be smart with that as obviously as we brought him back in training camp, and then you know I know he's dealt with some things here during the course of the season, but we've just followed the, you know the advice of the medical people and him really his body so um i don't think he's been out there when he not when he hasn't been healthy enough to contribute and play well <clears throat> you know him so long are you a little surprised by the interception count? yeah i mean you know i think at the end of the day those come down to um you know all all, all interceptions um you know come down to execution and decision making you know and at the end of the day um, you know, it starts with reading the coverage. It starts with, you know, the quarterback, the receivers, the tight ends, being on the same page. The protection obviously has something to do with that. Um, you know, yesterday, the yesterday's case was just a, you know, a, a read where we, you know, we threw it into double coverage, you know, and we can't do that. So, um, you know, just, those are, there's a lot of things. And again, I think when you try to press and you want to make plays happen, even though, the defense, you know, plays something or does something that maybe takes away your first or your primary option. Um, you just have to be patient enough, even though you want to make those plays happen. You got to be patient enough to take the profit and uh, count on making the right play every time, always being the right thing to do, you know, and so. Kind of revisioned by his play through the season because I remember the first game in Denver, he threw the ball into the end zone and yeah. he admitted himself was a bad judgment trying to yep. cram the ball in there and you know here we are you know eighth game and he's throwing yep. double coverage where the yeah. just glide over yeah I mean look all all I can tell you is we're going to continue to, to work at trying to cut down our turnovers period you know we, we have to be able to do that um, I thought the defense did a good job of creating opportunities for us to win the turnover margin and yet we didn't take full advantage of it you know so that play obviously was a you know, it could have been a swing play or a swing series in the game in terms of being able to go go get the lead and have great field position, and you know we didn't do anything with it. So just trying to be aggressive, but at the same time you got to be smart. <clears throat> I know you mentioned last night that going to O'Connell wasn't a, a thought, but is it something that could be talked about this week? I think we're just going to look at. We we haven't even met with the players yet. You know what I mean? We're going to evaluate the film. We're going to make the corrections. Um, you know, I don't want to speak on that. I you know look I. 
I have confidence in all our guys. We just we have to be able to play better and and do it as a group, you know. And there's a lot of things that go into that. So, um, as I said last night, there's a lot of us that have to do you know some things better. Any update on um, Peters? Marcus? Yeah, he just cramped. He's good to go. Yeah, Marcus is good. Divine probably too early, right? Uh, D- Divine, do it too early. Yeah, not sure um, where we're at on that one, um, but making progress, working really hard to try to get back as soon as he can. So, um, you know, uh, I'm just going to kind of see how that goes this week. After after last week's game, I mean, obviously you probably want to see a response, and you, you talked about how the team reacted. Mm-hmm. Do you think throughout the course of the week that they were over that? Is that something that kind of lingered? Which what, what, to, get, to get beat the way they did last week? You're talking about the Chicago that? thing? You're talking about the Chicago game? Yeah, and then have that happen again this week. Uh, well, I don't, think it ha- I don't think that happened again, though. You know what I mean? I, I really don't. I think there were some things we didn't do very well last night, but I thought the team was very competitive. I thought they played hard. I thought they were into it. I thought they were supportive of one another. I don't have any question about the effort and the, the way we practiced and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, it was 16-14 to 14 in the middle of the third quarter. You know what I mean? So, And we had, we had the ball. So I, I think, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for us to have done more yesterday, and we just we didn't take advantage of our opportunities, and we didn't do enough with them. And then, you know, we kept giving the ball back to them, and eventually, you know, like I said, they had the ball too much, and they have, you know, good players, and they do a good job offensively, and eventually they were able to make enough plays to, um, you know, to, to get ahead and, you know, get further ahead. So um, I don't have any question about the way we attacked last week. I guess on the positive side, you guys have been looking to force turnovers quite a bit, and you were yeah. able to do that. Uh, I mean, I thought there was two, the the turnovers and then the red zone defense. I mean, I think both of them, you know, kind of uh, stood out as positives for us. We've been trying to make an emphasis on that. You know, um, I thought we tried to make an emphasis in the running game, you know, offensively, and I thought JJ kind of got himself really rolling there in the second quarter and. Again, when you only end up with 45 plays on offense, you, it's hard to run the ball 30 times, you know, and, and that's that goes back. It's a function of the entire team. So there's definitely things we did, you know, did much better. Like I said, I love the way we were attacking the football, creating opportunities for ourselves to, to turn the ball over, scored on defense, um, stopped them a number of times in the red zone. That's a good red zone offense, you know, so I just, you know, uh, we, we have to do more of those things well in order to, to put them all together together as a team and win the game. This <clears throat> where it was emergency quarterbacks. I mean, Aiden for now at least is. The- yeah, he's making progress. I, you know, and again, we talked about this as a kind of an evaluation. We would, you, you know, do this all year, um, and and those guys really compete hard and practice well. And I think Aiden's really been making some progress. And I just want to give him some opportunities if that presents himself, and um, you know, kind of we'll see how it goes going forward. Yeah. It's probably more of a Dave question, but the trade deadline's come and gone. Uh, do you have any any idea of any calls or anything like? I don't. It's more of a Dave question. I don't. You. Um, I just I just know we, we you know I, I texted him three minutes before I came down here and said we're not trading anybody right. So and we're not. So that's it. As a body of eight games this season, I mean, what are you surprised at? Just the low production of the points. Um. I'm, you know, I'm disappointed that we haven't been able to do more. Um, I think that would be the feeling that we all have. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, again, but I don't think, I don't think sitting here and harping on that is really going to be the answer. The solution is going to be, is going to lie in the fundamentals and the basics that we need to do better to execute more plays right consistently over time. Um, we're going to need to be able to do it disciplined 
when we're under pressure, you know, against a good football team for as many plays as we can, you know, and uh, until we can do that, that's really been the answer for me. Anytime I've had a stretch where we haven't played well enough football, and certainly we haven't offensively to be able to put our team in better positions to win. So that's what we're going to need to do, and uh, we're going to need to fix it. Specific to third down on offense, uh, yep. is that – Kind of the same thing. Opportunities are there. Yeah, I thought we had we had some opportunities, and again, I thought they did some things schematically. We just we didn't handle as well as I would have liked. Um, but um, you know, uh, we had some plays, you know, to be made, and um, we just you know we we didn't we didn't come up with them for a few reasons. And again, the protection. I think as the game wore on, we ended up finding ourselves in more third and longs than what we would have liked, which are always difficult on the road against a team like that. So um, you know. All in all, we didn't. Again, that's a possession down for us. You know, we got to do better there because that will give us at least three more downs and maybe a couple more runs and, you know, less time on the field for the defense. And so, third down offensively is obviously got to be a, a focus for us. Um, you know, just in general, I think there's a lot of things we need to do better, but that's definitely one of them. You, know, you obviously had one drive that was very efficient, was really well done drive that was put together. I mean, was there anything that you saw on that drive that was kind of different? No, we ran the ball. I mean, we got it started with the little play pass and then, um, you know, ran the ball. I think we skipped third down for the most part, I think, until we got down there, you know, uh, maybe in the red zone and had the quarterback sneak on the third and short. Literally, we skipped third down almost the entire time, you know, so – um, again, not that that has to happen every time, but that's basically what happened. You know, we got our running game going, got some movement up front. I thought the guys did a good job of giving JJ a chance to get started, and he did. Um, you know, made a couple of plays. The tight ends made a couple of plays in the passing game. So, um, no, I mean, look, it's it's not magic. You know, I think we just have to do a better job of executing play after play after play. That's the magic. One last, the plays defense made this season, like it's a common theme when you. Look at how things are going. Can we just talk about Patrick Graham, what you think he's been able to do that's been successful and how he's improved as a coach in the system? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, look, we, sim- we, we talked about this in the offseason. We simplified some of the things we're doing. I think the guys, you know, um, the guys are are playing fast and aggressive. They're able to focus on trying to, you know, uh, attack the football. We've gotten a few more turnovers, obviously, recently. Um, but... I think they're, that group that group plays hard every week, you know, and uh, again, we haven't done enough to help our team in general offensively to limit the number of snaps, but I love the way that they go out there and they're they're aggressive, they're trying to make plays, uh, you know, trying to definitely, we've defended the deep part of the field for the most part well, um, but I think Patrick's done a good job of trying to coordinate that whole group. I think our whole defensive staff has done a nice job of trying to simplify what we're doing and get them to play a little, a little faster and better. So, um, again, we got to do we got to do more as a football team uh, to help that unit out. But I think the defense has definitely made strides. Yep. Thank you. All right, I would agree. The defense is making some strides. The offense, as they try to fix it again, is not working. So there wasn't a lot there on how to fix the offense, other than to go back and just. Go out there and try it again. I don't know what changes need to be made. We're in a situation where a quarterback change could be coming. That's just the opinion of fans, season ticket holders, that what do you do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you give him another game? I would. Do you give him a game? I would give him another game. But then after that, Aiden O'Connell is here. See what you got. I'm not into seeing what you got when you have a chance to be 500 or above 500. That was my philosophy going into the Chicago game. I admit it, I'm wrong. I admit it, I'm wrong on that. And I won't be sitting here pounding the table much longer for Jimmy Garoppolo. 
if Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't have a massive turnaround very quickly. And it looks like, and it will, I expect him to play, and I expect the Raiders to have a rough, brutal, tough week of practice and show up at home at Allegiant Stadium for the fans who support this flagship radio station. Tatum swings into the corner, Horford against Gallinari, long kick out, Tatum straight away, steps to his left, he's got plenty of room to shoot a three and he knocks it down. Tatum is up to 14 and the route is on. JT back with you from inside the Raider facility. Happy Halloween, there's a lot of kids in the building today, which is good, a lot of costume characters and kids, the Raiders celebrating Halloween for the families the way they should, everybody having a good time and I think that is great. The big picture here, so happy Halloween to everybody else out there. I love talking NBA basketball, and Kurt Heelan is my go-to guy from NBC Sports at Basketball Talk. I wanted to get him in on the blockbuster trade of James Harden. My friend, good to talk to you for the first time this year. Happy NBA. How you been? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of funny how it normally just kind of falls semi, I don't want to say unnoticed, but you know, in the backdrop of the NFL season, and every year, James Harden tries to find a way to make a trade and get some headlines at the start, just so the NBA feels better about itself. Yeah, I'm really negative James Harden, as you know here. I think he quit. He's quit on multiple teams now, and I think that's his legacy. He's one of the great scorers to play in any era, in any era, but he's not a champion, and he's had opportunities to better the situation he's in. Getting out of Oklahoma City, which was a good team, that's not on him. But what happened with Brooklyn, clearly Houston before that, now he gets a chance to go to the Clippers. How'd this deal come about? How long has it been in the works? Oh, I mean, they've been talking about it since, frankly, well, July, but a little before that. Um, Harden wanted to be there. This is, this, this, it really comes down to this. That was James Harden wanted to go there, and nobody else really was in the bidding for every reason you mentioned, plus the fact that he is a free agent after this summer. He opted into his contract. He's got no deal after this one. So you're going to have, if you trade for him, if you give up any assets of value, you probably had to pay him this summer and keep him around. Nobody for the, like all the reasons you said, plus the fact that he's 33 years old and how should we put this, JT? May not have taken as good a care of himself mm-hmm. as LeBron James. I'm going to go with that. Like, yeah, I would, agree. <laughs> I, would, I would agree with that. Kurt Heelan is our guest. But for him, so, uh, he, I, I just wanted to know why Balmer – why, why, did, why did Steve Ballmer want this to happen so badly, considering he's one of the most, I think, financially successful human beings on the planet? He's opening up a new building. Does he think that this is going to help ramp up the fan base going into the new building? Does he need that? I think he needs to differentiate himself mm-hmm. from the Lakers, who yeah. are, you know, anybody who knows Los Angeles market, you know it. I'm sure most of the listeners there know it. It's just, it, it's a Laker town. It's a Laker and Dodger town. And even the Rams are a little bit on a second level. And the Clippers are well below that. And they're trying to carve out a niche for themselves. The new arena helps. I think this helps a little. It, what they've done is get four L.A. guys. I mean, Westbrook, Harden, George, Kawhi are all Southern California mm-hmm. basketball products. They can sell that a little bit. I just don't know how much that's going to work on the court. I mean, it, it sounds great if everything's perfect, but 
we know how that goes. Kurt Heelan is our guest at Basketball Talk. So tell me the winners and losers of this deal here, of the other teams involved here, how you had to move pieces, especially all that money to match salaries. How complex was it? Uh, it was ended up being pretty complex, and you ended up bringing in a third team in Oklahoma City. I Look, Harden's a big winner because he got where he wanted to go. Is he going to get paid? Is this going to be – this could be a very much a be careful what you ask for situation, but he was a winner because he got where he wanted to go. Um, I'll tell you who I think is a big winner out of this is Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. He has been phenomenal. He's player of the week this week, averaging more than 30 points a game. He has been phenomenal to start the season for the 76ers. And now there's nobody in his way. Now there's not, hey, James Harden's coming back, and he's going to need the ball, and he's going to kind of be the – no. It's Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, and now they've got a little more depth around them, and they'll probably make another move either now or this, you know, at the deadline or this summer. I think it's good for Maxey, especially considering he's coming up on a contract and he's about to get, he's about to get maxed out. Mm-hmm. What does Joel Embiid think of this? Because he, he's a guy who could have won a title already. He's been close here as an MVP candidate and an MVP going forward. He's the type of guy that I think – Still has a lot left here, but I thought Anthony Davis had a lot left. And, and big men go down, and when they go down and their careers are on a decline, they go down quickly. Daryl Morey and ownership now in Philadelphia, what is their commitment to the 76ers going forward, and how does this give them relief maybe to get another player at the trade deadline? It gives them depth. It gives them they – they pick up two first-round picks. They have their own. They could – Theoretically, throw in three first-round picks in a trade for someone, um, plus a lot of expiring contracts. What they get with Coving, um, I'm sorry, with uh, Marcus Morris and everybody they picked up in this deal is uh, is guys who are done at the end of this year. You're not Batum doesn't have a contract beyond the end of this year, um, so you just you can you can make that kind of trade now. You are well positioned to do it mm. if that kind of guy becomes available. But you, you hit the nail on the head. Ultimately, you have the rest of the season, because I don't think he's asking out at the deadline. You have the rest of the season and probably the start of the summer to convince Joel Embiid you are going to win with him and put a mm-hmm. genuine contender around him in a conference with Boston and Milwaukee loaded up for the next three years. Kurt Heel and that basket. If he doesn't see that, he's gone. If he doesn't mm-hmm. see that, he's going to look around and go, get me out of here. Get me, and now get, does get me out of here mean New York, and just I'll be happier there, or does get me out of here mean get me to the West, which you know, mm-hmm. granted Denver's there, it's going to be interesting to see. But I just got a feeling he's going to get frustrated if Maury doesn't have one more big trick up his sleeve. Kurt Heelan, as we wrap it up, it really feels like you got to make your celebrity superstar athletes happy, Giannis. From Greece is playing in Milwaukee. That's a small market. He spends a lot of his time overseas in Greece. And when he's there, he plays great. He helped build the arena. The arena's built around his legacy. And he wanted Damian Lillard, wanted another piece, and they got it for him. And it seems like that's what happens to an elite group of superstars. LeBron James has that power. I don't think Harden deserves it, but he does have it because he forced his way out of a situation and is going to a better situation. So what does Adam Silver think about all this? Because there are fans that I talk to, and you talk to a lot more than I do, that are so fed up with the NBA. They don't like player entitlement, and they don't like rewarding players like James Harden for all of his bad behavior. How does Silver handle this internally? Yes and no. Like, I, part of it is yes. 
I think that there is a frustration that this there's that players can kind of decide as guys, and this was what was wrong with the Lillard situation. I mean, four years left on his deal. He's like, hey, I just want to go to Miami. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, they they found a good spot for him, but that that's a bad look for the league. Uh, the flip side of that, though, is you know this is true with football too. Nothing drives interest like transactions and mm-hmm. fantasy GM stuff and trades it, way more than games. And it's part of the problem all these leagues are facing in trying to monetize these leagues in future years and getting people to watch, uh, you know, watch games on an older model. They're going to have to figure it out because right now that's what generates buzz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, he's kind of stuck in the middle. I don't, I don't know what the, there's some easy answer to this. That's a great segue to the last question that you just got me to think of. I give you all the credit for it because we saw Adam Silver say that younger fans, and I have two of them in my house. I have a 22 and a 20-year-old that grew up loving the NBA, and Adam Silver admitted that younger fans aren't finding the product as easy. What does that mean? I have NBA TV. I have YouTube TV. I have TNT. I have ABC ESPN. What does he mean by that? Is that social media, highlights, clips? What's the disconnect that could be coming with the NBA and the younger demographic? They are not sitting down and watching a game, especially, and I think this is more true with baseball and, and basketball than, other, than, than football. They don't sit down and watch a game start to finish very often, like, mm-hmm. unless you're in the finals, unless it's something you're really tuning in for. They are catching YouTube. I'll tell, tell you. At NBC Sports, we have the Premier League. We put up those nine-minute highlights from mm-hmm. the game clips. They kill. They just do right. great numbers. Because a lot of things, I don't want to watch a whole Premier League game. There's a whole generation of people that are doing that on Instagram and YouTube and want to watch these condensed versions. And how leagues monetize that and make it work is, it's like, I think all the leagues are struggling with how to deal with that. I like what you said about that. I'm on YouTube Live now. We got to do something together on that. I'm trying to build that. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and I'm trying to build that up and to do what I'm doing. But you're right about that. My sons watch clips. They watch reels, and I'm a huge Premier League fan, so I love it. And I DVR'd and I try to watch it and get put it in the library to watch games. And I can sit down and watch a game, but I love. I don't want to miss the Gold Zone shows and the wrap up half hour shows to see all the entertainment. And with the NBA. That's what Ernie and Shaq and Charles and Kenny have done great with. And these Stephen A. built his entire brand. He's number one guy in media now, built it on the NBA and clips on the NBA. I could still watch an NBA game like everybody else, but I understand what Adam Silver's concerned about. Players are moving. Uh, There are elite global players, and fans need to see more of them, even if it's in shorter bunches and shorter clips. Yeah, well, getting the players to play is – is one of the other big issues for the NBA in particular and getting these stars out there, um, especially, I mean, it's amazing how that came up while they're negotiating a new television deal. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, I'm sure JT, it was just an accident. <laughs> Good to talk to you. I hope that, you know, I, I love having you on all the platforms, my national show, this show fans need to hear about the NBA and you're my go-to guy. Appreciate it, buddy. Anytime, JT. You take care of yourself. We'll talk soon, man. No, you better believe it. Kurt Heelan, who does a fantastic job at NBC Sports. So the James Harden, what's the big picture with the James Harden trade? It's bad behavior getting rewarded. That's been really a moniker for me on the air for my whole career is that I don't sit here and reward bad behavior. If you're an athlete and you continue to do things and you're entitled and you take advantage of the entitlement, 
that it's a job at sports radio and sports media to go after these guys. And that's all that James Harden has become over the last five years. He quit on Houston by getting fat and playing himself out of shape to get to Brooklyn where, who did he play? Who did he play in Brooklyn with? Kevin Durant. He had a great set up there. He had a couple of great players to play with there. And then he didn't like that with Kyrie, and now he jumps out and quits on them. And where does he go? He goes to the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, poster guys for load management, rewarding bad behavior. Lester, thanks for holding. You're up next after Josh McDaniels' press conference. How you feeling? Hey, JT, thanks for taking the call. Uh, the, yeah, that's tough, always tough to hear the coach at the pressers. But um, three things uh, regarding the quarterback, uh, the Raiders standing pat at the trade deadline, and the coaching. Uh, on the quarterback, I, at this point, I think you almost have to go with the kid. I mean, what's the point of keeping Jimmy G in there? I think he's banged up, and, and that's one of the reasons, many of the reasons that he's not playing well right now. They're mm-hmm. not making very good decisions at all. So at this point, he drafted O'Connell in the fourth round. I think it's better to just go with him. You're playing the Giants, a team that's all right, you're more fo- on offense than the Giants do. So I would give the kid a shot at home and see if he could uh, turn this offense around, at least uh, at least score some points and make it look a little bit better and not turn the ball over. Um, when it comes to the this team standing pat, JT, that's a signal to me that, hey, they want to keep this talent around right now. But the problem mm-hmm. is that's going to lead into the coaching. Is this the coach that's going to be leading this team in the future? Is he the, team, the coach that's going to lead this team and get them turned around or where they need to be with this talent on board right now? So that's a question for Mark Davis. That question needs to be answered sooner rather than later, and I'm going to say I'm a big Jim Harbaugh fan. I think he has a history of turning programs and teams around. Let's look at him after the end of the season. Yeah, again, I'm not not sitting in this chair for no reason. I'm not going to comment on the coach's status long-term while the coach is the head coach and the coach is trying to turn it around. I think you all understand that. Uh, My friends understand that. Even my some of my detractors get what I have to do here every day, and we'll, we'll deal with that question if it comes up down the road. I do always a conversation, hopefully, with Mark Davis, the owner. He comes on with me often throughout my career, and he's had a lot going on, but it could be a good time to check in with Mark down the road. Same with Dave Ziegler, to clear the air on what he's thinking about after the trade deadline. All things that we'll do here, but it, the, next, the next big deal is the Giant game. And the Giants are awful, and they're playing awful, but the Raiders, if you listen to New York Sports Radio, the Raiders are awful. The rest of the league thinks the Raiders are awful. The rest of the league. So who's ever on the schedule, the Raiders think they can beat, but the other team thinks they can beat the Raiders. So that's not going to change until the Raiders start winning games. I'll go down with this ship on Jimmy G. Not much farther to go. I'm always honest with you. I would give Jimmy G one more game. Aiden O'Connell did not play well in the Charger game. He was sacked, what, eight times, six times by Khalil Mack? Whatever the number was, and threw a goal line interception. That's not a bad thing. He's a young kid. It's the first game he played in. But don't act like, man, he played great in that game. He did not play great in that game. He's the third-string quarterback. Brian Hoyer was the second. Now Brian Hoyer becomes the third-string emergency quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo's on the borderline, possibly, of getting benched for poor play. That's it. That's all honest. Everybody can say that. If Jimmy wants to keep his job as an NFL starting quarterback, he must go out and play a really good game against the Giants. If he plays poorly and they win, I'd go with Aiden O'Connell. If he loses, I'd go with Aiden O'Connell. If Jimmy wins, he gets the Jet game to go to 5-5 five and five and change the conversation. That's what I'm hoping happens in the next two weeks. 
We got F1 around the corner. We got the Super Bowl. We got the NBA. We got the Rebels basketball and football. I got a lot to talk about, but my job is the flagship of the Raiders from noon to two. And I want Raider fans to be engaged every day. Even if you're pissed off, you know where to find me, and you can come in here and tweet and sound off like you got a pair. But the last couple of weeks has been really difficult on the fans. Not difficult on me. I'll get through this thing here. I want you fans to have somewhere to come and feel like you feel at home. Even when you're upset. A lot of people are upset at home. You're upset at your job. You're, you're not supposed to be upset in sports. Sports. It's the toy department of radio. We're supposed to be having the most fun. We're supposed to be getting up every day talking sports and having fun. It's relief from the rest of our lives. When the Raiders are playing poorly, it's tough on Raider fans. We know that. Jorge in San Jose, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Thanks for mm-hmm. taking my call. Thank you. you. Know, I, I, I agree with you 100%, you know, especially when uh, when the Raiders are playing great football, and I've only been a Raider fan for 20-plus years. I'm 31 years old. You know that everybody's having fun. And uh, when they're down, they're down. And unfortunately, they've been down just too often. And, you know, this time last year, you got to think about how also this Josh McDaniel system is a complicated one. I have to agree, you know, and I'm giving coach the benefit of the doubt. I'm still believing in him. Uh, the one difference that I'm noticing right now with Jimmy G is that he, he does take too many chances. I do want Jimmy G to play brave football, but I need him to play smart football. And I think part of what coach said in the press conference today was that getting back to the fundamentals means sometimes being smart is just chucking it down, driving, into uh, just sustaining drives like what you mentioned. We had five red zone appearances during the Patriots game, and then you can't even drive into the red zone for the last two games when you're on the road. And one thing that Derek Carr did that uh, obviously what he got away, what he what was his flaw was not being able to throw touchdowns in the red zone, but he was able to sustain drives. Mm-hmm. Checkdowns were criticized by Carr, but right now I could bet I, I'm praying for a checkdown for Jimmy G just to drive in and, mm-hmm. and keep a, a drive going. Stop, you know, exhausting your defense and give some confidence to your offense that they're doing their job. I'm seeing the running backs trying to get that one block and give Jimmy G a chance. And I know it's all uh, a combination of of what's going on with this offense. But, you know, I think Jimmy G has to really go back to those fundamentals, play smart football, sustain drives. That's what was that's the key. And he was brought in to do nothing more than that and to score in the end zone. I don't think. Josh McDaniels chose Jimmy G because there was a huge, huge difference between uh, Derek Carr. I think they're both at a similar skill set, and Jimmy G probably even more and deserves more credit, and I think that's why he should start this week. Mm -hmm. But if he's not able to make these effective throws, then that's why we also didn't trade for anybody. That's why the Raiders didn't make any moves during this trade. I think that tells a lot that this is the team that McDaniels wanted. And this is the team that Mark Davis trusted in him, mm-hmm. whether it was because he's not a football guy or because he believes these are the football guys that are for the future. It has to start with our quarterback this upcoming game. And if he isn't going to throw it, then I do think that uh, he deserves to get benched. But that's all I got, JT. Okay, I appreciate call. it. Thank you for the call. Well thought out. And when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo has played a long time. And he's been in a position to win regular season games. He's won four playoff games and led a team to a Super Bowl. Even the season that the Niners went to the Super Bowl, his one real big successful year, there were games where he didn't play great, and the defense bailed them out. That's okay. Uh, the organization did not want Derek Carr anymore. The, the head decision makers in the organization 
wanted to move on from Derek Carr. They had the right to do that after nine seasons where Derek did not win a playoff game. Derek is a very good player and a leader. They wanted to move on from him. They brought in Jimmy Garoppolo because they thought he'd be better. He hasn't been better. Hasn't been close. And he's not playing well. And he has limited time to prove that he could be here long term by playing much better. That's it. That's all it is. It's that simple. Play better. Keep your job. For everybody involved, that's the way this organization is won. There's a priority on winning, and the team's got to find a way to win and beat the Giants. Here's Eichel. Finds Stevenson into the zone. Stevenson comes down the slot. Centers backdoor. They score! William Carrier on the delayed penalty. Set up by Chandler Stevenson. 2-1 Golden Knights. William Carrier. Two goals in as many games. And Vegas has the lead back. I got to tell you, there's a lot happening here in town. But the Golden Knights are at the top of the list. The way they are winning... And what they are doing, they are playing unbelievable hockey here. So if you get a chance to watch, go to a game, listen, head to PTs. They fuel the monologue. Quick housekeeping note, Friday I'll be hosting the show live from La Casa Cigars. Brand new partner of ours inside Tivoli Village, also the DeCastaverde Law Group. If you get into an accident, 702-222-9999. Hopefully a couple of members of their staff will be there also. The Black Hole, friends in town. So please try to carve out an hour or two for me. Live radio show Friday, noon to 2. Come on out, get some fresh air, have a cigar if you partake, or a cocktail, a beverage, a soft drink, and come see me live and in person. That is Friday from noon to two. Mark Anderson joins us, as he always does, usually on Monday, but we moved it back with the game last night from the AP. Mark, this is about as big of a struggle as I've ever seen an offense in this organization go through. What do you think is the main problem? Uh, I think I think it starts at quarterback. I really do. I mean, uh, Jimmy uh, G is, uh, you know, he, he's just – too careless of the ball. That first interception was just such a terrible underthrow. I didn't have a problem with trying to make that throw because Devontae got behind the defenders, and, and you could have, he could have put it in a spot rolling. Adams could have caught it. But the two the two overthrows to Devontae late, those were there's just no excuse for those. And um, he he ended Brian Hoyer. We know what Brian Hoyer is. We don't know Aiden O'Connell yet. Um, Maybe he'll get a shot this week, but um, I think that's where it starts. I don't. That's not everything. Um, obviously, the offensive line had a struggles last night. The running game hasn't gotten going all season, and uh, you know, it just it just uh, it, it's. Uh, I'm with you. I don't. Uh, I don't remember a stretch like this. You know, Mark. I don't think in the past he's not that careless with it. I don't think he wants to make mistakes, and when he does make a mistake, I believe he gets skittish and he doesn't get as aggressive as he can be. If he was throwing 50-50 balls to Devontae and they were getting deflected and intercepted, that would be one thing. But he's getting interceptions on checkdowns in the end zone when guys are open. Something is off. And I believe something's off because he missed a lot of time in the preseason out on the field. And I just don't think he's comfortable with the offense that he was supposed to know coming back to this organization with Josh McDaniels. And it's just a bigger learning curve. I'm really disappointed in that about Jimmy. Yeah, you're probably right. And, you know, it's it's – it's, it's. I would imagine it's in his head right now, uh, like you said, where 
with all with the, all the picks he's had, he, he's probably being too careful now instead of just letting it go. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and that, I think I think you you just can't get into that situation because he's he's never really been the kind of quarterback who would necessarily carry an offense. Uh, but but you could always count on him to to not make mistakes and 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 make all the right decisions, and he's not doing that right now. Mark Anderson is our guest. The defense made some stops, but gave up a lot of yards. And I think the defense is something that has got to step up. If Daniel Jones plays, Daniel Jones is a very good running quarterback. I mean, I won't say elite because he's Daniel Jones, but when he takes off, if there's no one there, he'll get 30 yards, and he is tough to bring down. And then you got Saquon Barkley. But other than that, the Giants have checked out. I mean, they, they can't get first downs either. They have similar struggles to the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, it could be a seven to six ball game this weekend. Um, yeah, I do like what the Raiders' defense has been doing. I they've been they've created they've created takeaways. Uh, they really stepped up in the red zone last night. I, I thought they did everything they could to keep that offense in the game. And it just after a while, when you're they went to the fourth quarter on the field twice as much. Um, as uh, their defense well on the field twice as much as, as their offense, and you can't have that. And and you knew in the fourth quarter they wouldn't have much left. And I actually thought, considering everything, that should be pretty decent in the fourth quarter too. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, what's at stake with this game? Quarterback, coaching, staff, future of the organization is is there being a lot made out of this? Or I feel like this is a true make or break game. I think a lot of things that are going to happen in the future feels like they're going to come down to this game because if you can't beat a team that's playing the worst football they've ever played in franchise history, I'm talking franchise history for the New York Giants. I mean, you can't have a lot of confidence going forward with the Raiders fixing this offense. I feel like this is a make-or-break game, and I'm not breaking that out. I'm saying it because I feel it. you got to beat the Giants if you're the Raiders and put together 60 minutes of quality football. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um I think the coaching staff sees these next two games against both New York teams as a chance to, if they can find a way to win both games, get back to 500, and then you give yourself a, a chance at least. But if they lose on Sunday, um, you know, I, I you can always already since you saw what happened to Vontae Adams on the sideline last night. You you saw what Josh Jacobs said after the game, where uh, you know he. Don't, he didn't, it's not his job to know what what's wrong with the offense. That wasn't. Uh, that's not what you want to hear if you're the Raiders' coaching staff. Um, I can see. I can see the players. I can see Josh McDaniels losing the locker room basically if they if they lose this game. And then I know Mark Davis wants to give McDaniels all the time he can, and and has really expressed his support for him, and and doesn't see this as a one or two year thing. But at some point. It, even the owner might have to say, you know what, it's just not working. And I could, and I, I'm not saying that if they lose to the Giants, that the McDavis makes a coaching change right away. I don't think that will happen. But I think it, I think it's something that now it's more, more, uh, more top of mind with him than it would have been before. Appreciate you, Mark. I'll see you out there Sunday. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me on, JT. Take care. You got it, Mark Anderson joining us. So Adam Schefter put his. Final trade tallies out there. Here are the trades that went down today. Chase Young to the 49ers. Montez Sweat to Chicago. Leonard Williams to Seattle. Kevin Byard to Philadelphia. Ezra Cleveland to Jacksonville. 
Joshua Dobbs, the quarterback, goes to Minnesota. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones ends up in Detroit. Rasul Douglas goes to Buffalo. Catavia Street to Atlanta. Hardman to Kansas City. Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory to the 49ers. How about that one? J.C. Jackson to New England. Chase Claypool goes to Miami. Wow. He's had an up-and-down career, but that's a player who can make a big play in the playoffs. Van Jefferson to Atlanta and Cam Akers to Minnesota. The San Francisco defense now with Chase Young is truly Halloween terrifying. And, again, I don't know the difference between signing a guy. To me, it seems like Chase Young is a rental. That's a rental for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if that's a guy they're going to sign long-term. Why would they? They have Nick Bosa. But the price is coming down for him most, most likely for Chase, Daniel, uh, Chase Young. The price is going down a bit. James Harden to the Clippers, also another big storyline. So tonight we have another game in the World Series. We'll see what happens if the Diamondbacks can even it up there. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, three games in a row in the World Series. Tonight, 5.03 Pacific on Fox, Rangers and Diamondbacks. Most of the country isn't interested in this at all. I am because I'm a sports talk host. I want to watch it. Hopefully the Diamondbacks can win this game. We've mentioned hockey today, the NBA trade, the NFL trade deadline. And because it's a short week, we got to get right into Giants preparation coming up over the next couple of days here. Raiders Roundtable will be produced tomorrow. We'll get the podcast out. Look, I know people want to listen to us when we're winning, but I got a job to do. And the people that I work with, when the team is going through a process like this and they're not confident in playing well, we still put out the content, and hopefully there's a reason for you to come back and look at it and listen to us and give us your opinion on exactly what's happening. Also, a YouTube stream tonight, live at 6 p.m. Pacific. I'll be up on YouTube. JT the Brick YT is how to subscribe. I am not happy. I am not in a good mood. It's a different platform than this, and I think it'll be worth tuning in at 6 p.m. Pacific time. I have a lot to say on sports from the way the Raiders are playing, which I gave you all that, James Harden, uh, some of the other bigger topics out there in a recap of the trade deadline. Thanks for the whole team. Thanks to our guest today, Harry Ruiz, Mark Anderson, who joined us, and Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. We'll be back tomorrow on the flagship of the Raiders. Also, the Bolitnikoff Crab Feed is Friday night at the Westgate. If you haven't had the opportunity to get a ticket, if there's some late tickets, go to bolitnikoff.org. Have a great rest of the day. Q was at the press conference. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say. He's coming up next. Thanks, guys.